Most gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for your grace. We praise you for your word, and we praise you for the opportunity we have to see your grace through your word. Even though we may not clearly understand it all the time, Lord, you still give us grace and give us understanding, and you've always given grace to your people, and we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you specifically today for your greatest gift of grace to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that as we study your word, we can see Jesus in that word, Lord, that you always always point us to that great gift that you have given us that we can't earn and that we don't deserve and yet you in your mighty mercy and grace have given it to us. Lord, I pray for this time as we study these chapters. These chapters seem a little bit difficult, but they are profitable to us. You have told us that all scripture is profitable, and I pray that we will be able to sift through what we see as difficult and have a clearer understanding of what you're trying to tell us through these chapters. We love you, Lord. I give this time to you. I pray that my words would be truth and that they would fall on ears ready to receive truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on in. All right, y'all, we're going to turn our attention today to chapters 27 and 28 of Deuteronomy. As we do that, I want to set the stage a bit. I want us to remember that the Israelites are preparing to enter the land of Canaan. That is the promised land that has been given to them by God. The Israelites have wandered in the desert, and this new generation of Israelites are set to enter Canaan without Moses as their leader because he is forbidden, has been forbidden by God to enter. We see why Moses is not going to be able to lead them into the promised land in Numbers 20, 11 through 13. And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel had quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. So the Israelites had come out of Egypt, and they were quarreling and upset because of a lack of water. And up to this point, when the Lord provided water, Moses had struck the rock that provided the water that traveled with them twice. But in this particular instance, God gave Moses specific instructions to prove him holy to the Israelites by striking it once. But Moses was angry with the Israelites for their grumbling, and he stuck it he, he struck it twice, and so the Lord forbid him from going into the promised land. I think that's important, and you'll see why I think it's important as we go forward. Um, chapter 27 begins Moses' third sermon to the Israelites. In his first sermon, which was chapters 1 through 4, he recounted the history of the Israelites. He reminded them of all that they had been through. Remember, this is later generations of the Israelites. The original ones had all died off, and these were later um, generations, so Moses is reminding them. Um, In his second sermon, which began around uh, chapter 4 as well and lasted through chapter 26, Moses was reminding the nation of Israel of the general and specific stipulations of the covenant they had with God. He was reminding them of the law that had been given to them by God at Mount Sinai and what was required by that law. This third sermon that we're beginning today begins by addressing the cause and effect of the law. Simply put, so I tried to get myself inside Moses' mindset as he instructed the Israelites in these chapters. These were God's chosen people. 
Moses had loved them and led them and prayed for them for many years. They were about to reach the culmination of his guiding them, and they were going to do that without him. Moses was a man of God. He understood the Israelites. He understood how quickly they could turn from the Lord's guidance and rely on themselves. He had sinned and was suffering the consequences of his sin. Yet his love for God was so strong and he was so committed to the work the Lord laid out for him that he continued to lead with a renewed fervor and passion. I wonder if I would lead like that or if I would see that I thought the culmination of what I was leading was going to be different than I thought it would. Would, I, would my love for God override my sense of self in that situation. I just thought that was a beautiful reminder this week of who Moses was and what an example it is for us to serve the Lord always with fervor and passion. He longed for the Israelites to remember the covenant, keep the commandments, and represent God's glory on earth and enjoy him forever. In chapter 27, verses 1 through 10, the Israelites are instructed by Moses on how to preserve the law so they don't forget it. For the sake of time, I'm going to read Deuteronomy 27, 2 through 8. And on the day you cross over the Jordan to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall set up large stones and plaster them with plaster. And you shall write on them all the words of this law when you cross over to enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you. And when you have crossed over the Jordan... You shall set up these stones concerning which I command you today on Mount Ebal, and you shall plaster them with plaster. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall wield no iron tool on them. You shall build an altar to the Lord your God of uncut stones, and you shall offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. And you shall sacrifice peace offerings and shall eat there, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. And you shall write on the stones all the words of this law very plainly. Y'all, this starts out with on the day you cross over. It was a specific time frame. Their first moments in this land that they had long waited for was to be centered on God and his laws. They weren't told to look around a bit. They weren't told to unpack, get comfortable, or settle in. They were to immediately set up a visual reminder of the laws given to them by God who had given them the land. This was for them to remember where they came from, who delivered them, and whom they belonged to. Israel was to be the visual manifestation of God's glory in the world, and that began with their understanding of the word of God. It was to be first and foremost. In verses 9 through 26, Moses instructs the Israelites to hear the blessings for the people from Mount Gerizim and the curses declared by the Levites from Mount Ebal. You'll remember several weeks ago that Patty had her mountains and her visual up here, and it was the mountain of blessing and the mountain of curses. Well, we're talking about the same thing here, the mount of blessing and the mount of cursing, um, of curses. Um, we only have record in this chapter of the curses. Um, it's thought by many commentators that it was an echoing, as we saw earlier, that it was blessing, curse, amen. Blessing, curse, amen. Blessing, curse, amen. But for whatever reason, God felt like in this portion that we needed to hear the curses again, not necessarily the blessings. And it was important to note, John Calvin talked about the reason the Levites... Um, 
recited the curses. They were the priests. They were appointed to be the expounders of the law, and it behooved them faithfully to repeat what God had dictated out of his own mouth. So they were heard by the Israelites with greater attention and reverence. And in this particular particular capsule of scripture, the Lord wanted understanding of the curses, of what would happen because of disobedience. Um, so then we come to chapter 28, and Moses encourages the people to obey the, the voice of the Lord. In tw- chapters 27 and 28 alone, we see nine occasions when the Israelites are told to obey God, beginning in verse 1. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord, your God. So here is where the Israelites begin to see the cause and the effect of the law. Obedience brings blessing and disobedience brings a curse. I'm going to say that a lot. We're going to get that today. That's your theme statement for today is obedience brings blessing and disobedience brings a curse. In chapter 28, we see the seriousness with which the word of God must be taken if the blessing of God is to be enjoyed and the terrible tragedy that flows from disobedience which secures only God's curse. As we consider this chapter, I have some questions I want us to consider. The first one is, what is blessing? That's a word we use often in Christian vernacular. But what does it mean? A blessing is something good given by God beyond what we can imagine. Paul shows us this in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. As we look at the blessings um, that were recited to the Israelites, I want us to be careful in understanding that those were um, blessings that were quantifiable to the Israelites. On this side of Jesus, our blessings are different. We have the blessing of communion with God. We have the blessing of his entire word. We have the blessing of Jesus. It is not quantifiable quantifiable by anything that we can do. Our land may or may not be prosperous. The fruit of our womb may or may not increase. Um, I want us to be careful to separate the blessings from worldly blessings and godly blessings. Worldly blessings are quantifiable by those around us that would tell us you are indeed blessed. But blessings from God are not quantitative. They are blessings that we recognize because of our relationship with him. I would go so far as to say they are a positional blessing. Um, I'm going to go off my notes a little bit because I just feel like the Holy Spirit has led me to say this. I really did not want to talk about it. Um, But um, I shared with y'all a few weeks ago when I last spoke six weeks ago that I felt like I was in a wilderness and um, that I was living in a time of wilderness, and I was waiting to see where God would take me. Well, I'm still in that wilderness. It's a little bit different now because my leg is healed, and that is wonderful and amazing. But the way my leg got healed is that I had a heart attack three weeks ago. And um, I have four stents, and I have um, cardiac care that I have to go to all the time. Yesterday, it took four and a half hours for me to do the things that I have to do related to my health. And I'm not in control of my life anymore. I was never in control of my life, but it is like 
a sign up in my face saying, you are not in control. And I, if I didn't know the God that I know, I would be distressed. And there is some distress, don't get me wrong. It's not all roses and unicorns. But it is not, it's so different because I have the God that I have. And he is teaching me through that. And do you know that I know that while I can't stand here today and say this heart attack is a blessing of God, I can give you a thousand ways in the last three weeks that God has blessed me through this situation. Um, He has blessed me with timing. He has blessed me with proper care. He has blessed me with people, the people of God to take care of me and love on me. The details are unbelievable. I don't know if I shared with y'all when I was having my leg problem. My family used to joke because I couldn't walk very far. Y'all, there was always a front door parking place anywhere I went. And if I didn't go, if I didn't have a front door parking place, and it only happened one time that there wasn't, I thought, you know, God, you didn't want me to go there. And I went on because God was, because there was no point going if I had to walk too far. But my point in that is that I can recognize those blessings, even though in my life, they don't feel quantitative. It feels like a quantitative blessing would be good health, but I'm not in good health now, but I am as blessed as I can be, because I have, I have God. Um, so I really wanted us to make that understanding. I, am not, I did not have a heart attack because I was being disobedient to God. I can be disobedient, and I have been, and I will be disobedient to God, but that is not, this was not a curse given to me by God. This was a circumstance for God to bless me and teach me through. Um, and I think it's important to note that difference. The Israelites were all about the land. This was the land. This was how they learned. They learned through the land that God was giving them. So their blessings were related to that land so that they could understand what were true and good gifts of God, just as our blessings are to help us understand what are true and good gifts of God. In giving the gift of blessing, God gives himself. The person that receives this gift is spiritually rich. We see that in verse 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land. In considering blessing and what we see as blessing, we also have to ask the question, or I tend to ask the question, I don't know if you do, what about all the people that are disobedient but still appear to be blessed? Well, God is a God who is just. He brings the rain on the just and on the unjust. He, um, he that's a little bit later, okay? Anyway, things might seem to be going well for those who choose to disobey God, but under a curse, they work to ruin. Matthew 5.45 tells us, So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. God is a just God. Those who won't be ruled by the commands of God must be ruled by God's curse. In today's world, as I imagine it was in the time of the Israelites, it is much more comfortable to focus on the blessings rather than the curse. In fact, that was my temptation for today. We all want to leave here feeling good about what we learned about God, and I believe we can, but we cannot deny the wrath of God. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That's Romans 1, 18. 
Chapter 28 encourages us to consider what a blessing is, but it also compels us to consider what a curse is. A curse is the exact opposite of blessing. A curse is to be disapproved or rejected by God. So the next question I want us to consider is what brings blessing? Let's all say it together. Obedience brings blessing. We see many times throughout Scripture that all of God's gifts are undeserved and gifts of grace. We've already defined blessings as something good given by God. There is, however, personal responsibility on behalf of the receiver, and we see that in the Scripture. That one condition is obedience. And Moses, in in this chapter, addresses three types of obedience. He addresses personal obedience. Each individual has responsibility for their obedience. In verses 1 and 2, chapter 28, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall become upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. The Israelites were entering um, a land where peoples worshipped pagan gods, and they would be tempted to abandon truth and follow the crowd. Moses was encouraging them to focus on God's word and their obedience to it. We, too, live in a culture where truth is distorted, and each one goes his own way. But we are to individually cling to the truth and obey regardless of what those around us are doing. Moses also addresses perfect obedience. In verse 1 and 13, Moses uses the words, being careful to do them and being careful to do all of them. God requires perfect obedience to the whole law. We see in James 2.10, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. We cannot be perfectly obedient. But God has provided a way, just like he provided a way for the Israelites to be reconciled to him through the sacrificial system. They had the opportunity for sin offerings and burnt offerings and peace offerings that would help them know the forgiveness of their sin and reconcile them to God. And we, as we're going to talk in a minute, have Jesus. Um, Perpetual obedience, ongoing obedience. We see that in Deuteronomy 28, 14. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. In verse 1, Moses uses the word faithfully. This is ongoing obedience. It is staying the course. It's staying on the right path. This is continually, continually desiring to do what God wants us to do. So that brings blessing. What brings cursing? The exact opposite of what brings blessing brings cursing. Disobedience to the word of God brings curses. Anything less than obedience, perfect obedience, is disobedience. Those who won't be ruled by God's word must be ruled by God's curse. Let's compare for a minute verse 2 and verse 15. And in verse 2, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of, of the Lord your God. Verse 15, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. 
Obedience brings blessing that comes upon you and overtakes you. Disobedience brings the curse which comes upon you and overtakes you. The word overtake means to go beyond, to come upon unexpectedly or suddenly. Both come beyond measure of our comprehension. I hope you took time this week to compare the blessings to the curses in the last part of your questions. For the most part, they are direct opposites of one of each other. The curse does not go the curse does go beyond the blessings in detail in this chapter. And I think that that, that is because God is directing these words to us to get our attention and to remind us and the Israelites just how serious disobedience is. It would be really nice to stop right here. I know as a child, I thought the promised land was the ultimate destination for the Israelites. Didn't you? I thought, once they get to the promised land, it's all good. Um, And if this were a Disney movie, they would live happily ever after. Um, Obeying God and receiving blessing. But the Israelites turned from God. They did not obey him, and they found these curses to be prophetic. The Israelites found it impossible to obey God perfectly, and they needed the intervention of God. We saw them taken into captivity in Babylonian and in wars in Assyria. They were brought back to him, but they suffered these curses because they they turned from God. It's easy to read these words and criticize the Israelites. They plainly received God's word. They understood the consequences, yet still disobeyed God. We know they understood the consequences because they responded with amen, which is an indication of understanding, a so be it. These were not new words to them. These were words that they had been taught by the generations ahead of them, the law that they had been taught, and Moses was reiterating it to them, and they agreed, and yet they were still unable to obey. We are not so different from the Israelites. We are in no way superior to them. We don't have the tribes yelling from the mountaintops, but we do have the full revelation of God. We have his word and are instructed to obey. We have the Holy Spirit, which has overtaken us as believers. I think that is so sweet to note that the Holy Spirit has overtaken us. Um, And yet, we still easily fall into sin. As the Israelites, we have received the blessings of God in our obedience, and we sit under his curse in our disobedience. But praise God, it does not end there. God in his infinite mercy has provided us with the greatest blessing through his son Jesus, who according to Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. In our own power, we cannot perfectly obey, but in Christ, we have been set free to obey. We see that in Romans 6.22 and 23. That's not what we see in Romans. We saw that in Galatians 3.13. But I wanted to close with Romans 6.22 and 23. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right, let's pray. Father, again, we praise you for your word. We praise you for bringing us understanding. Lord, we praise you for the blessings and we praise you for the curses of our disobedience. I pray that as we leave here today, we would have a renewed desire as Moses did to serve you with fervor and passion without turning away or without looking at the results. I pray that we would um, recognize your blessings and, and 
praise you for those and that we would recognize our disobedience and turn back to you at in instance when we sin. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.